The DA's draft program for the two-day elective Congress has voting for the new leadership taking place during a closed session on Sunday. The announcement of the results will happen after lunchtime on the same day. The 2,000 voting delegates will have picked their party leader, federal chairperson and three deputy federal chairpersons. There will also be discussions on constitutional amendments, finances and organizational reports, policy and election plans. After all, the DA has dubbed this its largest and most important Congress ahead of the national polls in 2024. For the members to all be in the same party, there must obviously be some fundamental commonalities in ideology. We asked both leadership candidates Mpopalaza and John Stenison for their views on key national issues that may sway voter sentiment, like black economic empowerment. BE has been a complete and utter failure. Black households are now 10% poorer than they were at the start of the policy process. Black employment has climbed exponentially under these policies. And 30 million South Africans are locked out of opportunity by what has essentially been an elite transfer, where the same people keep getting empowered and getting very rich, but the inequality gap widens and the poverty incidence increases. So we've got to do something different. And the DA policies focus on using the sustainable development goals um, of the United Nations to focus on creating equality of opportunity in South Africa. Where the government has gone wrong is that they've focused all of the effort and policy direction on trying to create an equality of outcome at the end of the, of the process. We believe everyone who has access to the same good quality education, the same ECD, the same access to university and the opportunity to obtain tertiary qualifications, the same opportunity to get onto the job ladder, the same opportunity to be able to enter the housing ladder, will make far greater um, strides in overcoming inequality and empowering people. If you focus your policy suite on the people who need it the most in the country and you use poverty as the measure, not necessarily just skin color, 30 million South Africans who live below the poverty line 99.7% of whom are black would get that that benefit and you would then exclude people who already have access to economic opportunity or have been empowered already. So the Democratic Alliance has an economic justice policy, which is very poorly understood, might I add. And that's one of the things I would love to change as leader of the party. I would love to break it down into a very simple form that can be understood. But I'd also like us to be able to demonstrate that our our solution actually works better than BEE. What we've seen under BEE since 1994, if you look at the Gini coefficient, which is the gap between the rich and the poor, we've seen it increase and increase, and we've become the most unequal country in the world in spite of BEE. And yes, some but it wasn't applied properly, it wasn't implemented well, but we have seen the, the creation of a black elite in South Africa with the politically connected few benefiting over and over again. And that's because we're not using scientific approaches to determining who qualifies for opportunity. In the city of Johannesburg, I started out as an NMC for Health and Social Development before I became mayor. And one of my responsibilities was to to implement the expanded social package, which is a package of services uh, to, to, to give some cushioning to people in the city who say we can't afford to live in the city. We are either poor or we earn below a certain threshold. Now, 
how we recruited people to benefit from ESP was through a scientific approach. You had to produce documentation to prove what your income level is and so on. You had to even prove who else is in your household, and we looked at household um, level income as well. And that is a scientific approach that the DA is proposing. That in, as opposed to looking at race only, people are more complex than just their race. There's so many black people who are completely capable of taking care of themselves without any assistance from the state. So it's, it's, it's stereotyping and, and, and it's incorrect. However, with a scientific approach, you will look at numbers, you look at credible data, and then you can make decisions as to who needs to be accessing opportunities because ultimately you want to move the whole of society to reduce um, large-scale dependence on the state and, and to direct funds more towards development and, and the maintenance of our infrastructure. The ANC-led government has battled to rein in the multi-billion rand public sector wage bill with the latest wage negotiations ending in violent protest. The DA has blamed cater deployment, poor performance management, among other reasons for it. The true candidates say it's time for some tough probably unpopular decisions. The city of Johannesburg has over 40,000 employees in the administration. If you look at the return on investment, it's not justifiable. In fact, I believe that we could do more with less. There's a lot of dead wood in the system. Uh, We've we've seen catered deployment over a a 29-year period where there are people in the system who literally aren't performing their parts according to the employment contracts. There's very poor performance management, if any, and, 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 and little to no consequence management. And that's the problem because what it means is that we could be paying two or three people to do the same job. So each time we see there's a weakness in a functional unit, we would then source um, additional resources as opposed to dealing with the resource that's sitting and, and earning an income and not delivering. That's the first problem. The second problem is that retrenchment in, in public service is taboo. So so you can be sitting with somebody that's not delivering. As soon as you talk about retrenchment, you've got the unions and, you know, it can be um, untenable and it can become so counterproductive. I do believe that we need to be bold as government. I think that our public service is too large and is very inefficient and eats up a huge amount of our GDP, which crowds out our social spend on uh, improving uh, ba- um, improving grants um, and being able to improve uh, spend on education and the like. So I do think there is going to be a right sizing of the civil service at some stage. I think that what we should be looking for, for consistency's sake, is inflation-linked increases every single year, and government should uh, keep its increases in line with the um, with the CPI CPIX figure so that public servants uh, are, are given a decent explanation about why they're getting X percent, because that is the official inflation rate, so that their salaries do keep up with inflation going forward. I think paying below inflation increases, as we do with grants and with many other things, ends up with a situation where the cost of living spirals out of control and salaries have not kept up. So I think for fairness sake, all um, of our increases, whether it's grants every year, whether it's public service wages, should be pegged to the inflation rate. I don't think it's helpful to demand hyperinflationary increases. You may recall uh, three or four years ago, the unions uh, demanded and got a 15% wage hike increase, and it wiped out our entire uh, disaster management budget, the surplus fund that had been kept aside. So there was no money when floods and natural disasters hit. So I think that the unions need to be reasonable about it, and government needs to be fair in determining um, wage increases every year. And I think inflation is a fair way 
to ensure that, that people are being paid and that their salaries are keeping up with the cost of living. With some analysts saying coalitions are the future of national politics, it would be foolhardy to plan for elections without considering potential partners. So, who is the DA willing to go to bed with? If I look at like-minded parties already, the ones that we've been in coalition with in Johannesburg and are back in coalition with in Chwane, where we've regained that municipality, I think that those are natural coalition partners. And there's a common theme there that people share the values of non-racialism, respect for the rule of law and the constitution, uh, market-based economies that treat the business and private sector as partners in the job and growth agenda, and building a capable state free of corruption that's able to deliver services to people. So those will be the, the values and principles which we would use as the yardstick against which we would measure cooperation with other parties. Now, you mentioned EFF, and uh, what makes a relationship with them so fundamentally difficult is that if you layer the seven pillars of their program of action over those four values and principles, there's an, uh, they're incongruous, and it makes it very, very difficult. So, for instance, at a national level, we will never be party to supporting expropriation without compensation. We will never support nationalizing the Reserve Bank. We will never support uh, the state owning all land in the country. And those are key tenets of the, of the EFF's um, offering. And so it would make it very, very difficult to do so. But as I say, I think that we really do need to see where the chips fall after this next election. And, and my priority as a leader of a party, of course, is not to go in looking for a coalition. It's to go and try and get as many DA votes into the ballot box as possible so that when we have that sit down after the election, that we're able to ensure that those core values and principles have a significant pile of chips at the table when that high-stakes poker game for the future of South Africa happens. Because of what happened in, in 2016 and how, how badly it ended, a promise was also made to DA voters after a review was done of we had lost so much in the 2019 election. A promise was then made that we would not work with the EFF, and the DA also felt they need to stay true to their promise because voters gave them their vote based on the promises that they made, and the DA felt they needed to stay true to that. I believe that our election message now um, needs to be more flexible. We are in coalition governance now. Um, hopefully in the future we can have smaller coalitions and ultimately we can have more stable governments. But this is where we find ourselves. And I think we need to have very open and honest um, engagements with our voters ahead of the election so that we don't lock ourselves into positions where we can't move when we need to, to move. As the clock winds down to the moment of truth, here's how Mpopalaze and John Stainison wrap up their national campaigns. So our Congress delegates, I've said to our Democrats that this Congress is not about the Democratic Alliance, it's about the future of South Africa, and that as we cast our vote, we need to think beyond this weekend. We need to think about who it is that South Africans will back come 2024 in the national election. We've bled numbers, we need to restore our numbers, and we need to even grow. We need to govern, because South Africa deserves a DA government. We've got a good track record of good governance, and South Africa is looking for a credible alternative, and I believe that under my leadership, we can position the DA to be that credible alternative. Despite the obituaries that were written for the party when I took over, the party has actually grown and is now a significant competitor again uh, in the South African political Stream. So I'll say to people, look at where we've come from, look at where we are today, but most importantly, look at where we're going to be after the 2024 election, which I think is going to be in a remarkably good position to be able to be part of building a new majority 
that's going to be able to get South Africa onto a path to hope and prosperity out of this mire of corruption, maladministration, unemployment, hunger and suffering that we are now. And those people who are in those situations need to know that the DA is always going to be on their side.